From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode number 74. Today's show is brought to you by Ministry of Supply and Squarespace. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined, as always, by the one and only Mr. Jason Snell. Hi, Mike. I do whatever a spider can. Yes, you do. You do indeed. <laughs> Jason man, Jason man. For everybody listening now, me and Jason were just talking about Spider-Man for 20 minutes, and it'll be a B-side for today's episode, so yeah. you can go yeah. and get that if you would like to. Talk more about, listen to us talk about Spider-Man and, and digital comics. We can, yep. yeah. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. Um, mm-hmm. I want to just jump straight into follow-up this week, Jason. Let's do it. We'll leap like, like a spider. Exactly. Immediately, <laughs> we're pouncing onto the follow-up. Uh, I'm going to say, uh, listener Jan, I'm going to go with Jan. Um, sent us a link sure. to a uh, iMac, which was referred to as the Special Edition iMac. Do you remember this? Yes, I remember that well. Oh yeah, that's the, the it's the graphite was the color because it's got a gray plastic bubble. This is the classic C- CRT based iMac, um, and this was, I believe, now M- Stephen Hackett would be able to tell you exactly, but I believe that this was. <laughs> A faster processor. It was a more expensive model, a faster processor. Um, I'm not sure if this had a ports, because the iMac DV is what added FireWire across the line. So I'm not sure if the, there was a special, like, extra ports or something, or if it was just a faster uh, processor. But mm-hmm. it was graphite. It was it was gray. It was serious. It was not a uh, silly, frivolous, colorful computer. It was the graphite iMac special edition. Um and and it's just funny. It's a reminder that Apple used to differentiate the iMac um, and the iBook by by color, like they would do eventually with iPods. Um, and you know we don't see color differentiation uh, other than I mean we we now do have gold, space gray, and silver on the MacBook, so that's something. But for a long time, uh, color just kind of went away from the Mac product line. But back in the day. You know, they they had the special edition iMac, and the the most notable thing about it, other than I think it was the the top of the line, you know, config, was that it was it was gray. <laughs> I gotta say, looking at this now, that is still an incredible looking machine. You know, it's so striking. It it yeah, yeah, it is it it is kind of brilliant. I mean, what it's timeless. Yeah, I, I'd say I'd say the only thing about the iMac that hasn't aged well is also part of its brilliance which is uh, and this is a you know one of those full credit to johnny ive moments um he you know we see these videos and he's johnny ive always talks about in in his white room videos about how you know a product needs to be true to itself but uh, that was so true about that about the imac it was a computer with an integrated monitor, which means it needed to, and 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 you saw in the run up to the iMac. Um, in hindsight, some of those other uh, all in ones that they made, the Molar that we've talked about before, that G three beige all in one that was m- primarily for education that looked like a big tooth. Um, that Johnny Ive kind of struggled with. How do you integrate a CRT? Because the CRT has the screen that you see as you're using it, and you don't think about, it, but it's got this huge bulb on the back of it because it's got a, a you know a, a, a raster like gun painting the screen painting the phosphors on the screen right that crt uh, technology worked like that and and that's what the imac is the imac like fully embraces that there's this giant bulb on the back this giant um tube that is the crt and uh and so on one level it is 
a, it is a perfect and brilliant design on another level from the perspective of now where the CRT is completely dead tech. Um, it is particularly anachronistic, but I mean, that's true of classic movies now too. There are lots of classic sci-fi movies that, um, the thing that stops me short when I watch them now is that there are CRTs everywhere. <laughs> you go, oh, um, yeah. and if you can see like the, the bulk of them in the curve of the glass screen and it's like very clearly a CRT and you think, yeah, that's not, that's, you know, we, that's gone. We, we, in the last 10 years have basically eradicated CRTs. So, um, so that's what, when I look at the iMac, that's what I think. It's like on one level, it's like, wow, it's really cool. On another level, it's like, boy, the CRT was dumb. It's all we had. So, but it's so big and that's why that iMac looks like that you know but it, it is brilliant it is a brilliant design and the moment that i, I mean i remember the first time we saw it we're like w- i mean whoa is basically what we all said and it totally changed the you know apple's fortunes i mean that that was the thing that stopped apple from sliding into the abyss really was the was the imac and and that design was a huge part of it because it was not a super powerful computer <laughs> it was not for the imac now is is the the sweet spot of the Mac line, but back then it was you know it was kind of underpowered. It was it was not a a power Mac, but uh, the design of it was kind of spectacular. Every time I see one, I do wish for a little bit more color in the product line again. And and yeah. I, this is just a personal taste thing. Like I am a uh, clearly I am a documented, relatively flamboyant person when it comes to my technology. <laughs> right? I, I like color. I like stickers. I like all that stickers, sort of yeah. stuff. Right. That is just a thing that I like. So my own personal tastes would love to see a little bit more color uh, come back to come back to the line, uh, the product line. Uh, I mean, I've always been a big fan of the five C for that reason, um, and it's mm-hmm. why I have like I have blue and orange cases for my iPhone, and it's why I have multiple colored sport bands and stuff like that. That is just what I what I like. Well, and the the. I I suspect we are going to enter an era where Apple is at least confident enough with their anodization of aluminum to make the MacBook come in three different colors. And it wouldn't surprise me if at some point, you know, all the laptops certainly were like that. I'm not sure whether they're going to ever offer multiple colors of the of the iMac or the Mac Pro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Can you imagine like the like the cherry red Mac Pro? Because that's what you need is it's a style. It's a style thing. But um, but. It's it's a start. I I am actually a little disappointed that um, they don't offer iPod colors in for the uh, for the iPhones and yeah. for the uh, for the MacBook. My only thinking behind this is just for the pure logistical nightmare that it would be to manage eight color options of the iPhone. In my mind, like they're they're, like, they're edging it up slowly over time. But you can't really have four bright colors, right? You have to have a range like they did with the iPods, I think. If, if you're going to go down that route, you'd need to have what they have now. So, you know, remove rose gold from the equation because that would just become pink, right? They'd just make that color. But you'd mm-hmm. need to have your gold, silver, and gray. But then you'd need to have like red, blue, orange, pink, green. Yeah. You know, it would. you'd need a much broader spectrum. And that might be why. And also, it's like that feels like in a year maybe when the S line has not got a lot to do, that's when they throw the color in. You can keep that one in the back pocket, right? Because you don't need to do it now if you're adding enough as it is. Or maybe our our friend, the 5SE, will be the one that gets put in a bunch of colors like they did with the C. 
Maybe I just I I think for stocking reasons it, it's complicated, but you know they did it with the iPod, right? I mean mm-hmm. they had they had the iPod in all the different colors, and it was fine. Yeah, but the iPod didn't sell as many as the iPhone. I mean that's, that's true. That's why well, I nothing. think there could be an issue with it. You know. Yeah, but what about the MacBook? You know, why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you do a limited oh, edition yeah. red Mac? You know, product mm-hmm. red MacBook mm-hmm. that you could only order online or something like that. Apple's shown their ability to do this, so you know it may just be that they they. I think simplicity is probably it in the in in the supply chain, sure. um, all the way through the distribution to the retail side. That you know, it's a big step for them to have three <laughs> instead of one for a laptop. It's been a long time, but it is hard not to look at those old iMacs. You know, before they went to the flat screen and became kind of monochromatic, they were they were this incredible color thing and they all had personality right and and in the end it got it got a little ridiculous with the patterns with your the like the the, the cowboy one and the and the hippie one <laughs> the blue dalmatian and flower power but um but you know they learned their lesson there and the iMac they they or the iPod they stayed on brand right they stayed on colors there were you know they would make the colors more vibrant or whatever which was probably a process thing but they had like kind of a core set of colors and they knew which you know they ultimately i think they knew what demand was for each color so they could they could really kind of control that that, that could be the same I, I don't know i mean maybe people aren't clamoring for a blue macbook but uh but oh man, actually, you know, if there were a thing that would push me over the edge to buy a MacBook to replace my MacBook Air at some point, having it be in a cool color, that, that might do it. That might do it. So who knows? I don't know. Get a lovely orange one, match your crazy keyboard. Yeah, I could. I could. That's true. I mean, it's yeah, it's just fun. Well, they made those uh, the the, the iBook. They had the orange, the tangerine, right? They had the orange and the blue iBook uh, at the beginning too the the colors you could get so that was kind of fun it was a, it, I mean fun right like buying a computer yeah. is it can be fun on, on on its own but adding this whole other level of like not just should I buy a computer which model do you want but would you like it in blue or would you like it in orange <laughs> and and getting to decide that that's just that's kind of fun so yeah special edition iMac takes us back to back back when it was a bold move to offer a Mac in monochrome. A moment ago, you mentioned the supply chain, uh, which takes us to more rumors this week. Oh, so yes. following up on last week, where we were talking about the potential product offering for the spring, uh, it now would appear that the iPad Air 3 is slated to uh, be unveiled at this March event, which is still scheduled to be kind of around the 14th as it stands right now. Yeah. Um, there have been some rumors from the supply chain. There's also been rumors from some case manufacturers and kind of what's coming from there. Um, and basically, the iPad Air 3 is looking to be the iPad Pro Mini. We're talking four speakers, a smart connector, and Apple Pencil support, uh, but also a flash for the camera. Um, again, that you know, whilst that seems crazy to some, I mean, they the, the last mm-hmm. thing is the iPad Air 2 when uh, they basically spent a lot of time devoting to saying look this people take pictures on this thing so we're putting a good camera in it and if you're going to put a good camera in it put a flash in it too right you you know Mm -hmm. it seems at this point seems silly not to um what do you think of this jason are we likely to see the ipad pro mini here do you think that's what apple (laughs) not they're not going to pitch it as this but do you think it's really going to have all of the same features that the pro has there's so much here there's so much here um, and, and and we are going to talk more about what we saw in Apple's earnings report 
oh yeah, do I have a lot to say about the iPad later on? And they and they connect, right? They they connect. So what I will say now is, um, I, I think I mean first off, this is a Mark Gurman report, and I trust him. Yep. He's his sources are are pretty much impeccable. I think this is going to happen. I think it's interesting that they haven't uh, nailed down the date yet. I mean, that means that Apple probably hasn't nailed down the date yet. That's the week of the Yosemite conference, by the way. So Serenity Caldwell and Jim Dalrymple and I are probably sitting here going, oh, man, because, you know, that's not that's not good. <laughs> that's I knew, I've been waiting for Apple to do an event the week that I'm supposed to be speaking at a conference and it might actually happen. Not quite sure what we're going to do about that. Hey, Apple, uh, I'll go. Just want to let yeah. you know if you're listening. <laughs> I'll go uh, for them all. Uh, sure. So... Um, <laughs> So German, you know, he's solid. It's it's probably a done deal. It makes a lot of sense. Um, we will talk later, but I mean, when we were talking about iPad sales last week um, being down again, I heard from a lot of people who said they didn't update their most popular iPad. Why do you think, you know, they, there wasn't a boost? And it's a fair point. No iPad Air 3 in the fall. Instead, the Pro and the Mini got the updates. I'm and keeping those, my mouth closed right now. <laughs> yeah. And those are, the edge, those are the edge cases. So I think that's that. What I will say about these specific, um, the specific specs that you mentioned, um, I think it's funny. Sometimes it really does pay to ask yourself the question, what are the most logical things uh, to be upgraded in a product? Just, just like leave everything else behind and say and walk through it of like what do people use what is there to be upgraded what's in other products what what are the things that and you can make a list and not everything on that list maybe will happen but there are some things on that list that this is the same process that apple goes through right which is like what are the things we could do to update this product it's a fairly mature product what are the things and you know apple pencil support and smart connector support seem completely logical why would you have those be one-off products on the ipad pro uh that seems like you were trying them out on the ipad pro and then pulling them to the mainstream with the ipad air 3 also good since it took you a while to make enough pencils right so see again kind of makes sense all the stores in london that i go to and lots of bugs in the smart connector too, right? We've heard about that iOS 9.3 fixes a lot of problems with that Logitech uh, keyboard, that Create keyboard, right? Uh, that that there have been bugs there. So you you shake the bugs out, and then you put it in in the more mainstream product a little bit later. Uh, the four speakers thing again we saw in the iPad Pro gives you a much better sound. That kind of makes a lot of sense. And then the flash for camera thing, although the you know, iPad Pro doesn't have something like that, you know, you mentioned it. This is Apple embracing how these products are used, even if their anticipation about how they would be used was maybe not accurate. And the iPad as a thing where you take pictures, it happens. You know, I, I yesterday I took a bunch of pictures with my iPad because I was sitting on the couch, I was reading, and I saw that my dog and cat who are not the dog we only have the dog for a few months they they are gradually warming up to each other um in that the cat no longer hates us for bringing a dog into the house uh but they were sitting because the great equalizer is is the sunbeam right so they're both sitting in a sunbeam and i i knew that if i stood up and went and got my phone or or uh, some other camera to take a picture the moment would be gone because I would get up and the dog would follow me around or the cat would run away or something like that. But my iPad was next to me. So I picked it up. And I took a bunch of pictures with my iPad because it was there. It was the camera that I had with me. So, you know, embracing that the iPad is going to be used for photography, whether we can complain about it, it's not appropriate or whatever. It's too bad. It's going to get used. So putting a flash on it 
I mean, it's not going to be probably the same level of technology as on the iPhone, maybe. You know, they, I'm sure they're cooking up even more great technology for the iPhone for, for this uh, later this year. But it makes the iPad better to have a flash on it. Why not? Why not do that? It makes it a better product. So you follow, you start to follow the lines there, and uh, then you read a, a story like this from Mark Gurman, and it uh, it makes sense. This is how do you make the iPad Air two better? Uh, yeah, you upgrade the processor and all that, but you do these other things. You 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 add these other little things, and it pushes the whole line forward, and it gives people who are still using an iPad three um, or an iPad Air one reason to buy a new iPad, which is uh, good for Apple. They need that. Yeah, they really do. I want to talk about earnings, which is not yeah, something we that we do very often on this show. We'll talk about on the side of a sudden break why we're doing that. But this week's episode yeah. is brought to you by Ministry of Supply. Um, I really like these guys. They're doing some really interesting things. And, and their whole idea as a company is built around the fact that we're all on the go these days and... Our clothing is something that obviously we have to wear, uh, but sometimes it can actually be restrictive and kind of work against us, right? You can be wearing a, a shirt, a nice shirt to work, but it's warm outside, so it makes you sweat. And that kind of feels a bit frustrating, right? The, the clothes that you have to wear are actually kind of working against you. This is the vision that drives Ministry of Supply. They are a performance professional menswear company that launched out of MIT four years ago. They make polished business clothes that are engineered by these MIT-trained engineers to provide technical benefits like body temperature regulation. Uh, They have sweat-wicking fibers to keep you dry and stretchable fabric to help you move freely. Their most tech-forward dress shirt is called the Apollo. It's made with those moisture-wicking fibers. And what this does is it makes sure that it keeps keeps you cool and it makes sure that it's keeping you dry. There's temperature regulating phase change material. Jason, you'll like this. This is the same stuff that NASA developed to keep astronauts cool in space. Oh yeah, I have I have some of their stuff and it uh, it actually feels really great and uh it it's a little a little bit high tech. It but, is. But um it but it feels really it it doesn't feel like you're wearing a spacesuit. It nope. feels really like super comfortable. Plus it's got all these other attributes. Like light-knit construction for breathability and four-way stretch for mobility. All of their clothes, this is one of my favorite features, are easy to maintain and wrinkle-resistant as well. So you can wash and dry them at home and you don't need to iron them. I hate ironing. <laughs> I, hate, I hate ironing so much. And the fact that there is this incredible stuff. And we're talking like real nice shirts, right? I have a real nice shirt, a real nice jumper from Ministry of Supply. Or a sweater, I believe, as you would call it, Jason. Um, and their stuff, it looks mm-hmm. really great. It fits in real nice with just the regular nice clothes that you would wear, but also has all these added benefits to keep you cool, to keep you nice and flexible. They're absolutely fantastic. You can find out more and shop online at ministryofsupply.com slash upgrade and use the code upgrade to get 15% off your first purchase and show your support for this show. But my favorite thing, if you shop in person at a Ministry of Supply store, just mention this podcast and you'll get 15% off your first purchase. And Jason, somebody sent me a tweet that they've been in to a store in Boston that mentioned our shows and they got that discount. How amazing is that? Yeah, I saw the picture. <laughs> Thank you so much to Ministry of Supply for supporting this show and Relay FM. All right, so a couple of reasons we don't usually talk about earnings. This show is on a Monday and the earnings usually come out midweek. Um, and Tuesday, also, yeah. also, it tends not to be that exciting, right? Like, from a, it's like everything's up, Wall Street's crazy. Mm. On we go. Yeah, we're not we're not a I mean this is what I tell people when I write about it in Six Colors and when I wrote about it at Macworld back in the day. It's like I am not an investor. Mm-hmm. I'm not a an investment journalist. 
I, I don't have Apple stock. I don't have technology stock. I don't care. I, I mean, I really, I legitimately don't care about this, except as a way to, because this is mandated, because Apple is a public company, we get to look at Apple's business and understand it better. And for me, that's the most important thing is, how are the products doing? Why is Apple making the decisions that they're making? Um, what can we use? Can, how can we use this information to understand Apple and its decisions and its products better? And also, as people that talk about this stuff and try to look ahead, that's kind of a lot of what you know, we do as thinkers about these things. This really helps us. It gives us some guidance to look ahead because you can kind of see where the products are going and Apple are not going to put all of their money into the failing area, right, and just not make iPhones anymore. You know, you can kind of see a little bit more about where they're going as a company. Now, mm-hmm. for anybody that doesn't know, I'll give a couple of the headlines from, from this earnings report. Their revenue is $75.9 billion, 16.1 million iPads sold, 74.8 million iPhones sold, 5.3 million Macs, and a quarterly net profit of 18 0.4 billion dollars. So again, this has been said everywhere because it's a it's an important fact, it's an interesting fact and, and especially in our circles people use it to try and butt against the crazy Wall Street analysis. This is the most profit any company has ever posted in the history of all companies. This mm. this amount of money, yep. this this 70 something how, how much did I say 75.9 billion dollars is the most ever. And it's up on last year by by a hair, right? Like it wasn't yeah. an awful lot, but it was still up. Um, and that's kind of setting the stage for something interesting in that Tim Cook basically got on the call and said, next quarter we're down. And yeah. that is unprecedented, right? Like that is, they're going to be been like, a while. Next month, uh, next quarter, our iPhone sales are going to be down. Jason, what is going on here? Wow, that's what a what an open ended question that is. What is? Well, you listen to the call, right? Why why are iPhone sales going to be down next quarter? Why what's happening there? Well, I mean, who knows? <laughs> it's my answer to that. We don't we don't know. It looks like um, the iPhone has. Um, it, there's a question about like growth is slowed. Essentially, it it, it isn't necessarily stopped, although. Uh, next quarter is going to be down year over year. Apple's got some, you know, they've got some excuses for that that I think don't that that are our deflection. They say, well, last year we couldn't ship enough in the holiday quarter, and so there was pent up demand that we had to meet in the first quarter. So the first quarter was higher than it would normally be, and so it's going to be hard for us to match that in the in, in the first calendar quarter of of 2016. Yeah, I like that excuse because that means that if you would have shipped them all then Q4 would like this this yeah. Q1 wouldn't have been as big it would have been down, right? That you would have been down somewhere. Conference call today would be the first time you've you've gone down year over year instead of yeah. in 3 months. It just shifts it. It doesn't actually change it. You can kind of understand that thinking a little bit, right? Because it was selling into China for the first time and they had a lot of pent up mm-hmm. demand and they had and basically sales went through the roof because they sent sold into China for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then I don't know what what's the I don't know what the carrier situation is like, but if it's anything like the rest of the world, a lot of those people won't be uh, upgrading for two years or so, right? Is if it's similar to to places like Europe and and America, so yeah, maybe it would have been a bit different. But that's kind of where we are. And one of the most interesting things that the 
and this is kind of why the analysts have all gone crazy and the stock fell through the floor, is that the iPhone didn't grow by like 10 million sales year on year and next quarter it's going to be yeah. down. And that's why people are kind of getting so upset about this. So I've been thinking about this, right? And I mean, okay. Again, right, we're not going to talk about this from the perspective of what the market feels like because whatever. But is this a bad thing? Like the iPhone clearly seems to have reached now its maximum. And it's got, it had to happen because eventually they were going to run out of people that could buy it. Mm-hmm. But what it would appear to be from the surface is that as we stand right now, the iPhone has seen as big as it can get. And now we're just going to be in a stage where it will grow very small if it grows at all. And you, all you'll see now is people buying new ones. Is, is that what we're likely to see, do you think? Like, is that what the, the situation that we're in? Well, uh, so I, I think one of the challenges is that a lot of the language that Apple uses to communicate with Wall Street and financial analysts is about growth because that's what they're concerned about is growth. And so for, for the average everyday person, they can misinterpret that as being a discussion about iPhone sales stopping. Like what they're talking about is the acceleration stops. Mm-hmm. And what, what I think a lot of people hear is people have stopped buying iPhones and sales are down. And my argument would be uh, that iPhone sales aren't really going to go down anytime soon. Next quarter, they're going to be down year on year a little bit. But in, in the long run, I don't think what we've seen is peak iPhone in the sense that there's a peak and then it comes down the other side like with the iPod. I don't think that's the case. I think the I, I wrote a piece about um, about this a little bit at iMore on Friday. Um, called The Persistence of iPhone. And uh, one of the subheads in there is what goes up stays up. I I don't think this is the dome kind of chart where you see the iPod goes up and then it comes back down until it's gone. Um, Because the iPod got replaced by smartphones. But smartphone category is the special category. It is, we live in the smartphone era. Um, I don't see any product on the horizon that is going to replace the smartphone. And I don't see people stop stopping buying smartphones because they are a key part of of uh of life now and you know in fact not to get all philosophical but um i I, i'm at the point now where i'm starting to think um history is going to look back as at the personal computer era as that archaic time when we could build uh technology but it wasn't small enough to fit in our pocket (laughs) that the pc is just a precursor for the smartphone and that the smartphone is the thing that's like oh now maybe in 10 or 20 years there'll be a thing you put in your ear or on your eyeball or whatever or in your brain that will all be like oh well the smartphone isn't that silly because we had to hold a piece of glass and put it in our pocket but um, those are probably a ways off so uh, for the foreseeable future um, smartphones are going to be huge and unless Apple blows it like and like hands the market to Android phones which they've shown no sign of doing the places where Apple competes Apple does very well I I think the iPhone is going to continue to sell and Apple will make the argument that the iPhone is um, it still has room to grow because they see switchers from Android a lot and they have markets that they're not very strong in and although that's a little counterintuitive to point at some place like India and say India is a great growth opportunity for Apple when you have very little presence in a market there's a lot of growth opportunity because you are doing nothing there. And if you can find a way to do something there, it's pretty much all going to be growth because you're starting from zero or close to zero. So um, so the, Apple's argument is there's still room for growth. I think Apple 
would not even try to argue that there's still room for, you know, 100% growth uh, year over year because, uh, first off, they're too big. Like you said, everybody's got everybody's got one. Um, we, we seem to have left the uh, people are still people don't have smartphones and are now adding smartphones that that era in most places, especially in the uh, the richer and more industrialized countries seems to have passed. And uh, so it's a different phase. And if you're a Wall Street investor looking for massive growth, uh, the iPhone is not going to give it to you, I think, anymore. It'll still give you growth, and Apple will still have growth in other places. And Apple, actually, they spent a lot of time talking about, which we can talk about, little little things in other places but um, that, that can provide growth. But the, as the main iPhone, I think it's going to be an annuity, um, you know, where it's going to be throwing off $40 billion a year to Apple for many many years to come and that's a enormous amount of money but is it going to suddenly next year throw off 60 or 70 billion probably not you know probably it'll be 39 billion and then 40 billion and then 41 billion and it's slow growth yeah and uh you know that's that's just that's how it is because like you said everybody's got one so you we're no no longer in that phase where you know 10 people stand in a room and only one has a smartphone. Now we're at the place where 10 people stand in a room and all 10 have a smartphone and one of them may have an, a second smartphone in their back pocket. <laughs> yeah, I think we've seen, I mean, looking at the charts, I think we've seen the end of where there are 10 million more iPhones sold every quarter on quarter. I, th- I think we may be at the end of that period of time. But the idea of, you know, the the news stories that I've seen, for example, for, for some reason, the BBC have really have it out for Apple right now. Um, and have been publishing story after story uh, about the fact that the company's about to fail because of this. Yeah. And yeah. I'm seeing a lot of this stuff around the internet, and it's a very peculiar thing. And, and I wonder why people write it, because I think anybody who understands technology, which you yeah. have to to get a job at these publications, surely understands that if they continue to sell even 60 or 50 million of these every quarter. They're around for a very long time. And plus, Apple have a ungodly amount of money in the bank. What, what are they up to now? I, I, I've actually lost count. I need to look it up. Um, it's, it's an enormous amount of, of cash in the, in the bank um, and in short-term annuities and things like that. I think, um, look, Apple doesn't need defending. <laughs> it's a big company. It's one of the biggest companies in the world. It had the most successful uh, quarter of any company ever potentially this last quarter. Um, but I will say this, there are people who've never understood Apple who don't like Apple. And the moment that there's perceived weakness, they will get the knives out. That's just how it is. That's just how it is. And people in the technology industry and well, first off in journalism, and I will say this, Mike, you mentioned, I mean, the BBC, you don't think about it so much, but in British journalism, especially if there's anybody successful who shows a sign of weakness, the knives come out. That's like Brit- British journalism, especially, oh, yeah, yeah. loves destroying anybody who is perceived as riding high. Um, and journalism in general kind of does that, but especially in the UK, we love tragedy. Yeah, they love. Yeah, and and also taking people down, right? Taking, taking, taking. Oh, you think you're so great? We're gonna. You're not. We're gonna take you down. So there's that. And then in technology too, there's a lot of people who just have never liked Apple. They whether they whether they never liked their products. There, there's the, the you know they're always the people who feel like Apple's who never got it right. They feel like Apple's products are too expensive and they aren't any better than the competition. And you know what can you say to people like that? Anybody who who is listening to this show probably has had that experience with at least one, if not many, Apple products where they've said this is way better. 
competitive in a competition, and that's why I buy Apple products. But some people don't feel that way. Some people look at an Android phone or an Android tablet or a PC running Windows and say, it's fine. It's the same. And for those people, Apple's success makes no sense and is frustrating and and is has to be explained by uh, everybody who does see value in Apple products being dumb or confused or tricked. And for people with that worldview, any sign of weakness for Apple is an opportunity to get the knives out. So that's what we're seeing. And it's ignorance because the fact is, yes, if Apple stopped selling products today, it could continue spending money at its current rate for, I forget what it would be now, but last time I checked, it was like 10 or 20 years. Um, So Apple's not going away. In fact, Apple has one of the most profitable, successful products in the world right now, and it will continue to be so. Um, I think the real questions are, what happens with growth? How, where do they get growth? And yeah. the answer there is, is you know, they talked about services. I would argue something like the Apple Watch and other things like that that are about selling more products to existing customers is in the ecosystem is part of it. And then when they talk about VR, when they talk about a car, that's Apple using its huge amount of cash and its knowledge of manufacturing and software and all these other bits of expertise they've got to kind of poke around and find other categories where they think they might be able to do something. Um, and if any of those hits, there's your growth. The growth's coming from the to car. To find the next iPhone, right? That's what it's all I don't about. think there's ever going to be a next iPhone, or at least not for... Maybe Apple will be involved in the next iPhone in 10 or 20 years, the next smartphone, right? But I think even something like a car, unless Apple comes in and takes 20% of the car industry... <laughs> market unlikely. which is unlikely huh. you know th- these guys are not just going to walk in here and make a car are they right. yeah well <laughs> i mean at this point apple i feel like apple could just buy a car maker if they really wanted to but they don't want to that's the thing is that there's no point so i don't know but that's what that's what they're doing when they're doing all this r&d is that's where they're looking for growth and that's where they're looking for the future because what they don't want to have happen is the next smartphone to happen and then be flat-footed and miss it and that's the end, right? They don't yeah, want yeah. that. And they don't have to, I mean, that's why they've got, you know, people can say, and, and I've heard some people say that Apple should stick to its knitting um, and, and focus, not, not, not get distracted by these other things. But if you're Tim Cook um, and the board, you do need to be looking for growth. That is sort of how public companies work. And so uh, they, they are doing that. And then in the meantime, they're taking some percentage of their, of their cash and they're doing dividends and they're doing stock buybacks. So they're basically kind of rewarding their investors. And, uh, and I think that's a smart move for them too, just to, you know, a little bit of the financial thing, because, you know, they are a public company, they have investors, the investors want growth. And I, I, I think that's what the car and the VR and whatever else might be going on. We haven't even talked about Tim Cook's little uh, coy VR mention, but, um, yeah, that, that was like when he spoke about the, the watch. Right, like a watch. You remember was it the D conference where he was talking about watches? Yeah, that the, the wrist is an area of interest. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. so yeah. so's your yeah. eyes. Um, just, just one last note. <laughs> that sounds on... like an insult. Yeah, so, so's British, your eyes. A British insult. Yeah, hand your face. Just one last note on on Wall Street and and that kind of world. I think at this point, it's it's kind of fruitless to get annoyed. Um, like yeah, I, every time the stock goes down. We all get annoyed, like, you're so stupid, you know, still making so much money. The system works as it works, right? Yeah. And the system looks for growth because you want to invest in things that are going to make you more money. And if growth is slowing down, in theory, the stock should fall in line with that because all you're doing is 
putting money in to receive the same money if if the company's not growing, right? <laughs> yep. At a very basic level, it it does make sense. Also, um, and and this is the thing that I've tried to explain. Even some very smart people who I know and like, and I've seen on Twitter complain about this over the years. I I try to explain it to them too. It's like, um, it's. The, <sighs> expectation is built into the stock price that's the other thing about it and and I, yeah. somebody i heard yeah. um describe this maybe it was in a, on atp last week um about how expectation is built in and and investing investing is gambling right it's speculation it is it is literally speculation it is it is somebody saying i think this is going to be worth more that's what it is and so as a result when like like Apple has a record quarter, let's say not not with not this quarter where there's the issue of the future, but like a couple of years ago, and they would release record results and the price would go down, the stock price, and people would complain. The reason it went down is because everybody who believed Apple was going to do great had already bought in and and believed it actually a little bit greater than it did, and so once the truth came out, everybody recalibrated. And the stock went down. I mean, that that is a simplification of it, but it's something that doesn't make sense if you're not thinking in those terms. It's a it's a very different kind of way of thinking of it. So you think, hey, this did great. The stock should go up. And the answer is it already went up because people assumed it was going to do great or predicted it was going to do great. And now it's going down because some other people are predicting that it will do less great or it's not as great as they thought. And it's counterintuitive if you're just a regular person to think, you know, shouldn't the more money you make, the higher your stock price be. And it kind of doesn't work like that, which is weird. And Apple stock is not always, given its... uh, its ratio and all sorts of other like financial things. An argument could be made that Apple stock has is has often been underpriced and that the people who invest in Apple often don't really understand how its business works because they try to find analogs, find analogs in other companies. And I'm not sure there's a good one. Um, so we could argue that Apple stock price movements are sometimes illogical, but the 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 you know the frustration people feel about the stock price or about analysts beating on Apple because they're afraid of a loss of growth, I think is mostly because it's a, it's just a, a cultural disconnect that like the way that investors view the world is not uh, the way that we do. I, I forgive me if I've told this story before, but the CEO of IDG once um, in a meeting we were in, we talked about how we were a profitable company. This was years ago. This is many years ago. Um, uh, we were a profitable company. We had profit margins of, you know, I forget what it was, so, you know, 5% profit margins or something like that. And basically what they said is your profit margins need to be greater. You need to make more money. And as an editor, I thought, well, wait a second, we're making money. Isn't that the point of a business is to make money? And what he said to me was, I could take the money that I'm investing in you guys right now and put it in the bank and make more money. And certainly I could put it in the stock market and make more money. And and that was the moment where I realized, ah, we are a financial instrument for our investors, <laughs> right? They're not here to build a sustainable business that throws off profits. They're here to put money in and get a return on their investment greater than they could get somewhere else. And a little return is not good enough for them because they can get more elsewhere. Why are they investing in us? And that is that is the cultural disconnect. And that's just the way the world works. Like you said, it's just the way it is. And um you know, it, the the sooner you understand it, the sooner you can kind of get over the frustration about it and move on to something else. And, you know, I at some point, I finally just got over it. It's like, look, the stock's going to do what it's going to do. I'm glad I don't write about stocks for a living. 
All right, iPad. So last week um, in our Ask Upgrade segment, we kind of got into talking about this and, and saying you know, what we thought could happen with the iPad. And, and I think that one point that I made was that if iPad sales aren't up, it's dead. Um, it's effectively <laughs> what, what I said. And, and I, my, one of my sightings, sightings for this was uh, the iPad Pro. And I know that a bullish. lot of people, I was very bullish one, a lot of people have said this, uh, that, you know, the iPad Pro was too late in the quarter. I think that that's just like a scapegoat response for the fact that the iPad is down because not only is it down, it is 25% down year on year. year, year. Yep. Which is really, really bad. And And for me, the idea of the iPad Pro was too late or they didn't have the iPad Air, I just, I just don't think that they're compelling enough reasons to tell me that it would have been 26% up. I I just mm. don't think that shaving a quarter off year over year would have been saved by those two products when it was on a downward trajectory anyway. I see what you're saying. It, it and I know I know that you're, you know, uh you're skeptical of this, but but it is a so a couple things. It is still throwing off 20 billion dollars a year so far, although at at this rate it will be less <laughs> as it goes. And I think the question is, um, we're looking at it losing, losing because there was this initial run-up of enthusiasm about it. Um, instead of a slow build, there was a spike and then a drop-off. Um, so I think the question is, wherever, wh- wherever it finds its, if it finds it at all, or if iPad sales just continue to crumble and nobody buys iPads because it turns out nobody likes them. According to Apple, people who have iPads use them and like them, and that's not the issue here. But um, and I so I would say I think some of it gets lost in the in the initial enthusiasm for the iPad that the sales were big and now they're still coming down and that at some point I do actually think they will stabilize but it's going to be at a level that is not at all what we thought this this business was going to be for Apple and in general um, and and I think that it's easy to get frustrated because everybody thought this was a 40 billion dollar a year business and maybe it's a 10 billion dollar a year business which is good but it's not what anybody thought about it so i i just i just wanted to say that that i think i don't think this is a case talking to people hearing what apple says about this i don't think this is a case where people are turned off of the ipad i think it's a case where we got a lot of, nobody had an ipad and a whole lot of people bought an ipad and now we're at the point where some percentage of them are going to keep buying iPads, but we're just not there yet. So rather than it, this would be a very different story if it just took, as I think we all thought in 20, in 2010, when it got announced that it just took five years for people to understand what the iPad was for. Instead, everybody was like, all right, let's go buy one. And, um, and, and now the numbers are coming down because that was not realistic that people are not going to buy iPads at that at that level. But I don't think it's going to just go down to to nothing. I think it is going to find a level and then probably grow from there. But boy, you know, it, 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 we keep drawing a line and you you said this. We keep drawing a line and saying this is the level and then waiting a, a quarter and going, well, maybe this is the level <laughs> and the level keeps dropping. There's no doubt about it. The level keeps dropping. So I want to I have a lot about I have a lot of thoughts about this and I need to preface all of this by saying this is coming from a person who now, in 2016, their favorite way of doing any kind of computing is from an iPad. You know, I want to do all You're of not my a work hater. from an iPad. I am not a hater. I am a, I am a lover of the iPad in a big way. <laughs> so you mentioned about the $20 billion a year business, right? 
Um, the twenty billion dollar a year business thing is is something that I see quite a lot. And also, what follows that usually is this is bigger than so many companies. The iPad would be in the Fortune five hundred on its own. I understand all of that, but the part, the next part of that story that never follows is. If this was a company that made tablets, <laughs> a Fortune 500 company that's Tablet Incorporated, Tablet Incorporated, and every year they drop by a quarter, we would be saying that they were dead and spiraling the drain. Whatever it is, 10, 8, 10 straight quarters of year over year sales drops. Yeah. yeah. We would be saying this company is dying. That CEO would have been replaced by the board, right? Yeah. Yeah, of Tablet so, Incorporated. This is the thing, right? So when you look at it inside of Apple, you don't say that because the company's fine. It's just this one product. But it annoys me when people say you shouldn't say these things about the iPad failing because it would be its own business. Because if it was its own business, that business wouldn't be around anymore because its stock yeah. would be worth nothing. Just nothing. <laughs> Right, because Apple's is dropping because they are not going to have another seventy billion dollar quarter or whatever you know whatever the thing is in the next one, but it's still going to be tens of billions. But this 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 line is down a twenty five percent. It falls and falls and falls. And then the other one is like the refresh cycle thing. That's the other thing that we all fall on, right? Like the refresh cycles longer. That kind of thing. And we don't know the line yet, as you said. I think all of these are optimistic views. Like, what if it's not about the refresh cycle at all? It's just that people buy them once and they decide they don't want them. I think that is valid. I think that given... I'm sort of... I'm willing to take Apple at its word to a certain degree that their analysis of this... Uh, suggest that people love their iPads. Oh yeah, and that, and I that, agree that people with that. use them and are satisfied with them. Mm-hmm. And so, so, but this is the question, right? Is what percentage of the iPad user base is an active, engaged iPad user who will buy a new iPad at some point? And what percentage is doesn't really need it? They, you know, they, they they thought they wanted it, but they don't really want it. And that I think that's the open question. I I. I, we don't know. I believe that there is a level that the iPad will reach. That is, it's sort of replacement level. And and that's when it kind of hits the bottom. And then from there, I think it will actually grow slowly. But where that is, I don't know. I mean, and, and I think that's the, the, the skeptic would say exactly what you said, which is, you know, well, what if it's not? What if this is a product that people have rejected? Maybe, maybe. I, I think certainly some percentage of them have rejected. I don't buy the argument that the that you know ninety percent of iPad buyers love it and they're all going to buy a new iPad at some point, but it's going to be stretched out over the next five years. I don't think that's true. There's a percentage of people who are like, yeah, I can just use my smartphone or my laptop is fine, or I don't love the iPad enough to spend another five hundred dollars on a new iPad. I, I do think that there is a certain percentage that will go away. And that's the problem with that big sales spike the first couple of years of the iPad is is we kind of don't know. We, we, you know, this isn't a slow build. It's a lot harder to guess where the where the free fall stops. Because no, nothing happened either, right? Like it was going up, 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 then just started to go down. and <laughs> But there was nothing that happened, right, in that period of time, which would suggest why. It just I mean, the iPad Air, the iPad Air came out. Um, 
and maybe, yeah, I mean, it, it, there's nothing that you could point at and say, aha, that's the moment that the yeah, iPad it? lost that, its thing. That was when they screwed up the <laughs> iPad, right? Because there was nope. never a thing. Like, it's the product has had the same iteration as the iPhone, right? Although like, I, I, I would make the argument that the, the what screwed up the iPad to a certain degree is that initial success was so great that it gave Apple um, no reason to really invest. And we've talked about this on previous shows, really invest in ways of differentiating the iPad. And I think... Um, it's funny, um, listening to, to Marco, especially on ATP the last few weeks and the last few months talking about, uh, threat threats for Apple. The one that I keep coming back to, and I think the iPad is a great example, which is when everything's going great, Apple has no reason to, uh, try to fix something if Apple thinks that what they're doing is great. And you know, the, the corporate culture is supposed to be replace your, you know, great thing with an even greater thing and just don't rest and nothing's ever good enough. But I think the iPad's a great example. And the app store is another good example of this, right? Of Apple saying, Hey, it, it's totally great and believing their own PR a little too much. And with the iPad, like the initial numbers were so great. Why do we need to invest in making the iPad have features that the iPhone doesn't? The iPhone is much bigger than the iPad. The iPad's doing fine. We're just not going to bother. And it took them, what, four or five years before they were like, oh, this is a problem. Maybe we should invest more in, in software features for the iPad and hardware features for the iPad. It took them too long. And I think that's that. So so how did they screw up the iPad? In some ways, I think it's it did so well so soon more success than any of us really thought it would have that it took the pressure off i i struggle with all of this like i i do i just don't know if there are any things like that where it's like oh software will fix it because the software has made it a lot better but i just don't see at this point that there is like a magical fix to get it back up to 25 million a quarter or something like that anymore oh definitely not i think i think 25 million you know that's that's when you talk about like five years from now maybe they get back up there yeah i I really think that what we're looking at and and where we'll end up being is that it's going to go keep going down for another couple of years and then they'll settle in to like 10 million a quarter yeah you know as the high um and then it will maybe start to creep back up again i mean i look at the mac charts and that's what i think yeah this is going to be yeah, this is the initial spike of people who are unlike most tech products that take time to build. This was an initial enthusiasm because of the iPhone, really. Mm-hmm. Um, people are like, yeah, iPad. It's like the iPhone. It's the next big thing. There's that spike of enthusiasm that kind of makes it confusing and messes up all your graphs, but that uh, at some point it will just settle. And the, and it's all a matter of taking... If, if we were investors in fictional tablet corporation, um, it would all be taking bets about where we think that line's going to go. And, you know, what what is the level and what is the profit of that product line? Um, this is hard for me, too, because like you, um, the iPad is, is used constantly in, in my house. Yeah. I have the iPad Pro now, yeah. and I use it all the time. And my wife has an iPad Air 2, and she uses it all the time. And my son has my old iPad Mini 2 and uh, uses it all the time. So, so three of the four people in our house are avid iPad users. And, you know, when my wife goes on the laptop, it is, I notice like it, it is rare. She does certain kinds of things on the laptop, but uh, most of the time she's just got the iPad. And, and, you know, I very rarely bring the laptop out of the office here. I generally am using the iPad. So for me, it's hard because I can see the, the use cases and why this is a great product. And so what I have to try to do is imagine that 
for a lot of people, they don't need that third product, right? They they need yeah. to have a laptop because of work or whatever. And th- that's not going away as fast as maybe people thought. And they everybody needs to have their smartphone. And so, you know, you've got an iPad and, you know, your kids use it to watch videos. And as John Syracuse said um, the other week on ATP, um, you know, for a lot of uses of the iPad, you could just buy one of those $50 Amazon tablets and it would yeah. be fine because all it's doing is playing video. So be, being the lord of the premium tablet market, how big is that market? And and we, we just we just don't know. But it's hard for me to see it because we use them and we love them. So I, I firmly believe this is a good product that it, that has a market. But yeah, what's that market? We're, we're still drawing those lines and hoping, you know, maybe this is the bottom. And and, uh, you know, you, you've gone from being sunny to being so dark, but I'd say, I think it's worth asking yourself how, at what point do you say, you know, I can't just keep drawing the line and saying this time for sure. Um, maybe it's time for us to just expect that it's got a long ways to go before it hits bottom. Yeah. I mean, I look at the, the iPad now and I'm like, I see this is the future of computing, but not like this. The, the Apple iPad as it is today, whatever this device is, whatever it will be for the next couple of years, is not the thing, but it's closer to whatever the next personal computer revolution is than Mm. the Mac that I'm looking at right now. That is closer to it, but it is not the thing. Well, I I occasionally have those moments where I think um, that, I mean, I think Apple's vision is that it's syncing and, you know, all your data is kind of migrating from your phone and that in the long run, your tablet is kind of your more comfortable lean back uh, screen that you use when you're, you know, that, that gives you a view into the same stuff as your phone. But, you know, is that, I don't know, it, it's, it's also, let's, let's say Apple's trying everything, right? Apple's got the iPad. They've also got the MacBook. Which is what if we applied iPad technology to a more traditional laptop? How, how you know how would people react to that? And then they've got the iPhone. I I think one of the advantages Apple has here is they don't need to have. They're not tablet incorporated, right? They can have the tablet and they can have the laptop and they can have the other laptop and they can have the phone, large and small and smaller, and and. Uh, Part of that is that they have a varied product line, and part of that is they can find out what works, and they can try yeah. stuff and see. And it still makes enough money, right? Like, even with it falling, it's still making enough money. If the Mac at 5 million units a quarter is making enough money, the iPad's surely making enough yeah. money, right? So you can keep going with it and keep trying to find it, but I think we all just need to accept that this product is going to keep falling for a, for a way more. I think at least another year it's going to keep dropping, and then it will stabilize. That that that's kind of the way that I look at it. And and you need to disassociate the product itself. I think because the iPad now is better than it's ever been. It's better than it was in Q1 2014. You know, it is. I, I, it really is. And we just have to understand and hope that Apple's going to continue to show the dedication to the platform that they showed of iOS nine, and that they're going to keep developing and working on it. And eventually, I think that whatever the next thing is that comes after the iPad will learn a lot from the iPad and and have a much brighter success and a much brighter future than this product does. Because I I really think that now we're at a point where a lot of the excuses that we've been telling ourselves since uh, 2014 
don't work anymore uh, yeah. about why this product isn't working because it's just a, a, it's a state now where it just none of those things make sense to me anymore. I don't think. Well, my my only um, question here is, although it was too late, is Apple now, you know, does Apple now have an understanding that the iPad needs to be more than the iPhone? And will they invest the effort in continuing that? And although I, I don't believe this, I have heard from people not these aren't sources just just you know readers and listeners speculating about this thing that we've talked about where there's iOS and and, and tvOS and watchOS and so would there not be mac OS right which i which i think is the way to go um i've had yep. some people say well maybe it should be phone os and pad os <laughs> and i think that's unlikely because i think the ipad is is very clearly um the same thing as the iPhone in, in, in many ways. And yet, you know, Apple TV and the Apple Watch are basically running iOS, but they are no longer considered that. And I have my moments where I think at some point, would it be better for the iPad as a product if it wasn't iOS anymore and that they, they were able to diverge a little bit more? Unfortunately, right now, I feel like the only reason that the iPad has the viability that it does is is because it is part of the same ecosystem as the iPhone. And so it benefits like you're an you're an app developer and you're developing iPhone apps and you're like, yeah, okay, I'll do what's necessary to have it also run on the iPad. And so the iPad benefits from that. I understand where you're coming from, but you know this, right? Like if you if you break the iPad out, there are no apps. <laughs> it goes the way of Windows Phone. That's exactly right. Because it's hard enough, right, these days for some developers, I think, to consider the iPad. Like as we record today, um, the uh, airmail for iPhone has come out and that's all it's on. And they're saying yeah. that they're considering iPad and working on iPad, but there is no iPad app. Right. So I, I feel like the the path forward for the iPad is basically what Apple is already doing. And so that's the one I would say ray of ray of hope here about this is Apple seems to have figured out now that the iPad needs to be more than the iPhone and it needs to do other things that are that are are fitting for the iPad as a product. And honestly, I don't feel as somebody who's used the iPad since day one, there were many years where it felt like uh, after the iPad launched pretty much the iPad was along for the ride with the iPhone. Yeah, yeah, and it completely. seems like they've changed the philosophy in the last year or two to be like, all right, we're going to we're going to take more care. And I think that's one way that you make the iPad a better product and 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 have the potential for it to turn into a more viable thing that's like that next thing that you're talking about rather than having to completely revisit the product would be if if Apple spends five years where every iOS update has major improvements for the iPad, the iPad could get somewhere where people don't look at it and say, yeah, I guess it's fine and say, oh, I have to have one of those. But, that you know, they, they're they're late to the party because they haven't really done that until um, until the last year or two yeah iOS, uh, wwdc ios 10 owls a lot of answers for me as to where this thing could potentially be going because right. the other alternative is for them to look at ipad sales and say you know what it's not worth it to to put invest all of these engineering resources yeah. in the ipad and if they go back to the old way which is really let's just focus on the iphone and the ipad will come along for the ride and it'll be whatever it'll be that'll be your sign that you know i i think that apple even apple has said 
you know, it's not worth the investment. And I hope that I hope that doesn't happen. I, I, I remain think... confident because you could have made this assumption and that decision before iOS 9 and the iPad Pro, but they went ahead and did them anyway. Yeah. You know, you, you could have looked at the sales numbers before either of those things went into development and decided that it wasn't worth it. Yeah, and no, and they rededicated themselves to yeah. making it a great product, which, you know, we can argue about did they should they have done that from the beginning, but they there definitely seems to be within Apple now, based on their output, um, a desire to make the iPad much more than it was. And they got a lot of work left to do, mm-hmm. but um but they seem to be moving on it, and that's great because that's what they have to do. It was hidden, you know, it was hidden before this, I think, you know, when they were just having the iPad follow along with the iPhone, the the iPad sales were not astronomical, but they were going up. So why would you have done it any differently? And then it was too late, I think. Yeah. Should we do some Ask Upgrade? I think it's a great idea. This week's episode of Upgrade and the Ask Upgrade segment is brought to you by our friends Squarespace. You can start booting your own website today at squarespace.com and you want to use the offer code UPGRADE at checkout because not only will that show your support for this show, it will also get you 10% off Squarespace. Build it beautiful. When it comes to giving a place for yourself on the internet, I believe that Squarespace is somewhere that you should be checking out for yourself and recommending to others as well. Because Squarespace give you all of the powerful features you're going to want when it comes to building your own website or, you know, building your own portfolio or store, band page, restaurant page, business page, whatever it is you want to build. But they also make sure that they take care of all of the things that you maybe don't want to do or don't know how to do, like taking care of hosting and scaling, giving support and security updates, and also incredibly powerful tools which are always changing over time and getting more and more powerful, more and more easy to use. They have great WYSIWYG page building tools. You're able to put a site together regardless of your skill level. No coding experience required. It's a lot of drag and drop stuff. It's really, really easy to do. Really customizable as well. They have these beautiful templates that they you can start with and you can make some great changes to them around typography and color to really make them feel like a place that is your own on the internet. They all feature responsive design. They look great on all sizes of device. Squarespace is trying Trusted by millions of people around the world because of these features and because they ensure security and stability with their state-of-the-art technology that they use to power every single one of these millions of websites that they host for their customers. They have 24-7 support with live chat and email. This is good for you if you need help, but also good if you're introducing somebody else to Squarespace. You can get them set up and then let Squarespace's great support team help that person with any problems and questions that they may have. Because quite fundamentally as well, they know Squarespace better than you do, most likely, right? So they're going to be able to help whoever it is you get set up. They have their commerce platform. This is something that we use at RealAFM. We use Squarespace for our blog. We use Squarespace for our store. I know Brad Dowdy, host of The Pen Addict, he has an entire business that he runs on Squarespace, which is not co. They build and and produce their own pen cases and, and paraphernalia like that. They use Squarespace Commerce to to run their business. Squarespace have a dev platform, so you can tinker with the code if it's something you do know how to do, and make some little changes if that's something you want. But you don't have to, but it's there if you need it. If you sign up for a year, you'll get a free domain name, so you can give your site the name that you really like. And their plans start at just $8 a month. But you can sign up for a free trial today with no credit card needed and start booting your own website straight away by going to squarespace.com and use the code UPGRADE when you decide to sign up. You'll get 10% of your first purchase and show your support for this show. Thank you so much to Squarespace for their support of Relay FM. Squarespace, build it beautiful. 
Okay, so our first up ask upgrade question this week comes from John. John would like to know, do you think there will be an updated Apple TV if Apple do announce a streaming service in September of this year that would be needed to take advantage of it? I don't. I think we'll I be think living so. with... Yeah, I think we'll be living with the fourth gen Apple TV for a while, which is what you want, right? Because you don't want to yep. have to buy new hardware. I mean, and also the rumors uh, around the release time was that this was the hardware that was supposed to run that, but it just wasn't ready. Yeah, the only the only caveat I'll say is I think at some point they will do a 4K capable Apple TV, mm-hmm. and that might happen this fall, and it might or, or it might be later. But I think at some point they'll do it, just because they're they have some competition that can do it and there aren't a lot of 4k video sources or ultra hd is really what it is joe Steele's in the chat room he's gonna his head's gonna explode but yeah, yeah. you know basically uh 2160 hd double you know double resolution quad pixels yeah yeah yada yada uh netflix has content that does that amazon has content that does that um it would be nice if you know, Apple one had content that did that, and then two also had a box that was capable of playing the that that resolution. So that might happen, but I think otherwise it will be the same hardware that we know now, and I don't expect anything anything big to change. By the way, speaking of, um, I'm surprised there's still no Amazon app for the Apple TV. I'm a little surprised. Yeah, yeah. Ugh. Jimmy would like to know. Uh, he's give us a link to a rumor. And, uh, we have a, a rumor here. This was on nine to five Mac. This is not a a German TM source. Um, do you think that the this rumor of the iPhone seven plus could potentially feature a dual camera system for better photos with two to three times optical zoom and a bunch of other uh, fun, like focusing features? Do you think that this could be uh, a sign for the ability to record three D video on the iPhone? So let's take this in in two parts. All right? Yes. The iPhone 7 Plus having two cameras for additional functionality and technology. Yes, possible. I think I I will refer you to my previous statement about looking at um, what products, how could products get better, right? One, at the, maybe at the top of the list, well, no, the top of the list um, is it shouldn't dr- uh, break when you drop it, and it shouldn't break if you put it in water. Uh, these are at the top of the list. I would say being able to see it when you're outside clearly in bright light is something that I'd put high on the list. And Having the camera be better, having the camera continue to be better is a vitally important feature. So using technology, especially since they don't want to get thicker with the phone, using technology to add sensors to increase the quality of the image so that it's more like SLR quality, absolutely possible. I think it's a I think it's exciting. I think it's a great idea. And I think they're going to have to do something like that because they aren't going to make that camera bulge more or you know and they're probably not going to have something that pops out of the back when you're taking a picture and then pops back in right it chances are they're going to have to just find ways to improve image quality in that very thin phone enclosure so uh that it sounds like a good idea to me and this is you know also tied to the fact that apple acquired a company called lynx uh around a year ago which does exactly this they use multiple sensors to create fantastic looking photos i think this sounds credible I don't know if it's the iPhone 7, but I think that this is a potential place that it could go to. However, the 3D video thing, because there is an LG phone, I believe, uh, somewhere that has two cameras mm-hmm. and it shoots 3D, right? Because it can do that. It makes sense. Two lenses, 3D. You'd also need a 3D screen to play the, the footage back on. Yeah, and that kind of flopped. Um, I, I, This is what I will say. 
about 3D. I don't think 3D, but um, what if you had something like live photos that let you think of the the effect on the Apple TV icons where there are planes. And so as you pan and, and, and slide them, you see depth because it's moving between you know, across that, that's what I would say is if you've got two cameras, you could potentially do a fun feature like live photos that lets you kind of change the plane of the picture because you've got some depth information because you, you've taken two pictures that are, you know, or taking two pictures that are several inches apart. Right. So that's what comes to mind for something like that is, is there a fun feature there that lets you kind of, uh, set the set the depth of field or or kind of uh slide the picture back and forth a little bit and have it feel a little like you're you know opening one eye and closing the other and going back and forth and making it kind of like that i don't know but that 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 was what occurred to me is not 3d per se but being able to use those two separate images to do some sort of fun effect well there's that lightro right um right the guys who make that camera that you can change the focus i would love that that would be awesome that kind yeah. of technology uh, and that that's i mean i saw there's some some camera out there that uh, tiffany Arment sent the link around that, that people are working on that's got like eight can eight uh sensors on the back it looks like a phone i think it's not a phone i think it's a camera uh, yeah. but, but it looks like a phone and it's the same thing is is one way you you get interesting photo effects is not by having a big lens and a big sensor but a bunch of little lenses and sensors and then software that stitches it all together and that's a direction that that apple could go in where they stick you know, a bunch of sensors on the back of the camera or on the back of the phone. And, uh, you know, you take pictures that way and just let the software deal with it. It's made by a company called Light and it is the L16 and it has 16 camera lenses. That's the one. Yeah. And it's and then it uses software like absolutely bonkers. And The Verge had a good piece on it. That's how I remembered it. Uh, I'll put that in our show notes if people want to go and see it. But that thing is bat poop crazy. Is yeah, the way that I would describe that. Uh, right. Carlos has written in: Is there an easy way to shut down a Mac Plex server using just an iOS device? I use an app called Team Viewer, but I would like an easier way. Jason, do you have an answer for this question? I I I don't. I I just use um, I teleporter screens and from my iOS device and uh, control the screen of the of the Mac server. I, I'm there may be some way to kick off a script that does something or other, but I don't I don't know it. That's I, I do run Plex on my on my Mac mini server and it's great, but when I I'll either walk out here and just turn on the screen or I will uh I'll use uh screens or I teleport and do uh screen sharing. Screens from Adovia. So VNC yeah. app, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah that's that's a good one. That is a good suggestion. because uh, you can do whatever it is you need to do. Um, if anybody has another suggestion for Carlos, please let us know. I'd want to mention I'm becoming more and more interested in Plex as a thing. That's all I wanted to say. I'm just I don't have anything set up. I don't have a system at home that I would run it on very easily. But I'm becoming actually I do have a Mac Mini in the cupboard. Anyway, I'm becoming more and more interested yep. in doing this. Yeah, it's it's uh I, I like having I like having it. Um I like and, the idea uh, of sharing libraries perfectly mm-hmm. legally of our home videos. Yep. The that um, sounds cool. 
Well, I recommend on the great uh, podcast network, Relay FM, maybe you've heard of it, episode 299 of Mac Power Users is all about Plex. So you should check that out. There you go. I'll, I'll put that in. How about that, Mike? Sure. I have that one saved because I'm not ready, right? <laughs> so it's sitting in overcast for the day that I become ready mm. uh, to go ahead and Good. dive into Plex. All right, our next question this week comes from Jean Ray. And Jean Ray would like to know, what is the allure of Sonos over a regular AirPlay or Bluetooth speaker? And we've been discussing Sonos a lot on Connected recently, as both Stephen and then Federico the next week <laughs> bought uh, a Sonos. And I know that I believe that you have one, Jason. And I wanted to see from your perspective, why do you like uh, a Sonos maybe over using some other competing technologies? So yeah, I try. I'm trying it out. Sonos sent me a, a a sample, and I'm trying it out. I used, and and still use in some rooms, uh, the Logitech Squeezebox system, which is very similar to Sonos. Um, what 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 Jean Ray's question, and I tried to answer it on Twitter, and it's very hard to fit this into into 140 characters. Uh, and the question was also, I mean, it's not just what's the allure of Sonos, but it is over a regular AirPlay or Bluetooth set of speakers. And my answer is, um, I don't find AirPlay or Bluetooth particularly reliable. I don't enjoy the pairing process. My phones come unpaired or iPads come unpaired from these Bluetooth speakers. And then I have to do repairing or, and maybe there's weird audio artifacts. Um, I, I'm, I don't like the having to, uh, plug in. If you want to use an aux port instead, uh, plug in your phone and then let it sit there. None of these have really, um, thrilled me. And what I like about Sonos and the squeeze box is I can be anywhere in the house I can turn on the music. Um, I can press play on the box and it just picks up where it left off. So all of these things are nice. I, it has access to my entire music library. It has access to all of my streaming services. It's all in one place. The remote app on the device has access to all of those things in one place instead of switching around. And it does multi-speaker syncing so that you can play the same music in uh out of several different speakers and they all work together and suddenly your whole house is filled with music so there are lots of reasons that i that i have it but bottom line for me is i find the airplane bluetooth stuff super fiddly and um and again uh i've got uh speakers in my living room i've got a speaker in my kitchen i've got a speaker in the bathroom uh they're all over the place and to have to keep switching among them and it just and and like with bluetooth the idea of hooking a bluetooth dongle or something up to my stereo in order to get out of the good speakers in my living room they make those things they're not particularly reliable it's just i you know if if a set of airplay speakers or bluetooth speakers works for you great but i feel like once you've got multiple speakers in the house um i don't know my experience with them has been poor and I've never liked them. And so I always preferred something that just uh, has access to my own library um, on a server, in my case, and mm-hmm. all the streaming services that I subscribe to. And I just don't have to worry about it. There you go. So yeah, you I, like the, I have the allure of that as well. But uh, just right now, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Just playing things on my devices over the loudspeaker on my iPad oh. Pro while I'm walking around the house. <laughs> yeah, well, there's that too. I mean, Sonos oh, has some problems. Sonos doesn't do podcasts very well. And that's actually why I still have the squeeze boxes in parts of my house. Even though I'm trying out the Sonos stuff, I can't. They don't just, they just don't handle podcasts well. So hopefully they will get on on that because that's a missed opportunity for them. But, um, but I, I, you know, they sound good and they don't require my phone to be 
I, I just I also don't just don't like the idea like I'm using my phone like I had this where I was listening via Bluetooth to something and then I was typing an email and in the middle of the podcast or music I'm hearing the the clicky keyboard sound. Mm-hmm. I hate that's terrible. I, I I just it makes me uncomfortable that um I'm trying to use my phone for one thing and then the speaker elsewhere is slaved to it. And if I make a wrong move, the music goes away. And I know that's kind of not rational because if I'm listening to music on my headphones, on my iPhone, it's the same story. But there's something about it and I just feel like Bluetooth is so brittle. And uh, uh, this is if, if Bluetooth works for you, don't email me because I hear from people who are like, it's great. I never have any problems. Like, I hear you. I have not had that experience. <laughs> Last question this week comes from Chris. Lately, my computer has been acting possessed. This has got me wondering, <laughs> have you guys ever experienced anything paranormal? Jason? It's an interesting question to end on, mm-hmm. I think. I, well, last uh, week, it was, uh, maybe all the week before, it was about condiments. I'm trying to find a fun question to end the episodes uh, on there. It's nice. Um, well, I'm no fun. I have because never no, experienced anything paranormal. The, the, well, there's a good reason for that, Mike. Paranormal things are not real. I was hoping this was this is one of those risky questions, in which you know you say to me, "Yes, there is a ghost right here." His no, name is Frederick. There are no ghosts. Ghosts don't exist. No, <laughs> that's why they're paranormal. Is that nobody can prove them and they don't exist because they are imaginary, and they're fun, but they're not real. If you'd like to find our show notes for this week's episode, head on over to relay.fm slash upgrade slash 74. I was letting you take that bullet for me in case you didn't realize. <laughs> uh, if you'd like to find Jason online, you can go to sixcolors.com, theincomparable.com, and at JasonL on Twitter, J-S-N-E-L-L. I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E, and I write people, occasionally at Mike. People who have like Bluetooth speakers and believe in ghosts really hate me now. Yeah, I'm most sorry. definitely. Bluetooth ghosts. Do you, ghosts do Bluetooth? You have slotted yourself into that into that little corner quite yes, nicely. Yes, I'm, I'm definitively anti, anti-Bluetooth speakers and anti-ghost. I have yet to truly understand if people will either hate me or not for my iPad comments. But remember, everybody, I love the iPad. Uh, thanks yeah. again to Ministry of Supply and Squarespace. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week for more Upgrade. Until then, say goodbye, Jason Snow. I was a ghost all along. Woo! Woo!